Thank you for joining us at the First Baptist Church of Coleraine, Massachusetts, as Pastor Jim Rennie continues to faithfully challenge and encourage us in the Word. And it is our prayer that this message will encourage the believer and bring the unbeliever closer to a saving knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Number 639, the Savior's Advent. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men whom his favor rests. Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord hath told us about. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Thank you, Joseph. All right. I've cut the message down considerably. So. For the Christian, Christian Christmas is personal. For the Christian, Christmas is personal. You ought to know by now, Christmas is coming. But many people throughout our land, so-called, so-called, Christian country sadly don't know what the true meaning of Christmas is. A little boy told his mother around Christmas time, I don't want to go to church on Christmas. But the mother replied, it's important to go and celebrate the birth of Jesus. And then a son says, but we don't know him. We don't know him. So why would we celebrate the birth of Jesus, somebody we don't know? And that's the problem. People don't know him. Amen? Instead of celebrating the coming of Jesus, there's more emphasis on the coming of Santa Claus. See, majority of movies on TV, those that watch TV, unless you're watching a Christian channel, 
you won't hear even hear the name Jesus. Amen? Have you discovered that? It's all about Santa and his coming, but not the birth of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Again, Father, we are grateful to be here. We are thankful for the ones that are listening. And you out there, wherever you may be, are listening. Thank you for tuning in. And uh, we pray that the Holy Spirit will speak through this message to your heart this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Jesus is God. Jesus, the Son, S-O-N, has always existed, has always coexisted in perfect fellowship with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit in heaven. Then at just at the right time, God the Father would send his only begotten Son into this world. First Peter 1 Peter 1.20, he said, he was chosen, talking about Jesus, before, before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake, for our sake. God the Father sent the Son, yes, but Jesus the Son made the choice to come. He made the choice to be sent. Amen? Amen. Why? Because of his love for humanity. Because of his love for you. For you, personally. That's why for the Christian, Christmas is personal. Amen? Amen. It's personal. Jesus willingly, no one forced him, he willingly left the glories of heaven, his perfect, sinless home, the perfect place of tranquility, where there's endless praise and worship, to be born in a filthy, smelly cattle shed. Not a palace. He is the divine seed. Jesus is fully divine. Even before being born a human being, fully human. He was fully divine and fully human. Born of a woman, but not just any woman. In fact, she was a teenager. You can't even call her a woman. She was a teenager, very young, maybe 15, 16. Not abnormal to have children at that age. Back in the day, even where we lived, Papua New Guinea, they were getting married at 12 years old. Not just any woman. Yes, she was chaste. <laughs> I'm not going to say anything about that. I'm, I'm sure some of those young Israelites chased her, but no. She was chosen to be 
the deliverer of the boy child, the perfect son of God. She was a virgin, had to be. Jesus' birth was unique, miraculous, because his mother Mary conceived through the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus was born without sin, because, if he, because he had no human father. If he had a human father, the corrupt, polluted seed of sin would have infested her. That's why he had to be born of divine seed. She conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit, not by human seed. God became a human with all the same feelings uh, and emotions that we have, that we feel. We're human beings. Unlike the animal kingdom, we're, we're different. And he knew exactly how we feel. Amen? He knows because he's experienced it personally. Whatever you have been through, are going through, or will go through, Jesus has already experienced it. And some. Hebrews 4.15, For we do not have a high priest, speaking of Jesus, which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted just as we are. He knew what it was like to be tempted, just like we are. But he never succumbed to that temptation. Tempted just like we are, yet without sin. If you succumb to the temptation, that was prove he was a sinner. Amen? But he wasn't. He was without sin. And among the titles, many titles, that Jesus used of himself... The most common one is the Son of Man. The Son of Man. The name refers to someone who's born human, but at the same time, God, which he is. Now, God the Father is spirit. He's not a spirit. He, he is spirit. So he can't be called the Son of Man, can he? Can he? No. I'm glad you agree. The angels are spiritual beings, created spiritual beings. So they can't be called the son of man, can they? No. Correct. Jesus, if Jesus was a spirit, he couldn't be called the son of man either, could he? Unless he was both God and human, which he was. There's only one son of man, only one title that applies to the son of man, Jesus Christ. Because he was without sin, he was able to keep the whole law. The law, he kept the law. Because he was fully God in human form. He was able to keep the righteous law of God perfectly, not just outwardly, like religious people try to do. He kept the law of God perfectly, not just outwardly, 
but also inwardly from his heart. He said of himself, Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. Jesus Christ was the fulfillment of the perfect law, which no one else can keep. The keeping of the law perfectly cannot be said of any other person who's ever been born other than Jesus Christ. Because everyone are born natural born sinners. Amen? Amen. They're all born natural born sinners. Let's just pick something out of Ephesians chapter 2. As for you, and he's talking to Christians and the conditions that we were in when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, for you were dead, spiritually dead, in your trespasses and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air. Who's that? The devil. The spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient, disobedient to God. They won't submit to God. They don't want God to rule over them. They want to rule their own lives. All of us also lived among them as one, at one time. I mean, this may not apply to you, but it says all of us. <laughs> lived, I mean, if you didn't do it, you thought about doing it. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts, thoughts, not just the deeds, the thoughts, like the rest, the disobedient, the, un the unsaved. We were by nature deserving of wrath. The wrath of God abides on those who are unsaved. And we were in that condition before we received Jesus as our personal savior. Thank God that the wrath of God does not abide on us anymore. Thank you, Jesus. Question. But did you know that because we're all natural-born sinners, by nature, that we're all accountable to the standard that is written in the law, in God's law? We're all accountable to it. So we're all in trouble, aren't we? We're all in trouble. Deserving of God's wrath, God's judgment for our sins. Because we all fall short of God's perfect standard of righteousness written in the law, which is perfect. We can never attain to that standard, no matter how hard we try. We can try to do it outwardly like the religious people do, but inwardly, there's no change of heart. When you come to know Jesus, he does heart surgery on you. We all had heart surgery. The law, 
Many, many different laws and statutes given to the people of Israel, but there, it's all encapsulated. What a beautiful English word. It's all encapsulated in just 10 commandments. God's perfect standard of righteousness given to the chosen people of God, Israel, the people of Israel, but not just for them. It was given to them, but it was, they were meant to reveal God's law to the Gentiles, to the other nations. It not, it do, the law does not just apply to the people of Israel. The law also applies to the Gentiles, all the rest of us. If you're not a Jew, then you're a Gentile as well. But the law was never, repeat, never intended to make men and women right with God. It was never, that was never its purpose. The law, it was never given for that purpose. Never. Knowing the law and trying to keep the rules outwardly like religious people try to do, not just the Pharisees and the scribes and the Sadducees, the many so-called Christians, trying to keep the rules outwardly without having a changed heart. What happens? It results in frustration. It results in failure, self-condemnation, and a self-righteous attitude, right? A self-righteous attitude. Oh, I can keep the law. Look how good I am. I'm not like that person. What that person did, what that person does, I'm not like that. Like the rich young ruler came to Jesus and he says, Master, teacher, good, good teacher. Jesus says, There's no one good, there's no man good. See, he was the son of man, but he was also God. And he said, Teacher, what must I do? What must I do to inherit eternal life? What must I do? And that's the problem. It's not what he did. It's what Jesus would do. Amen? And Jesus, you know, quoted the, some of the commandments. He said, I've, I've kept all those from a child. No problem. Outwardly, you see. Conformity to the law. That's what he did. And he was relying on that to get brownie points with God. To allow him to get in to heaven when he died. And Jesus said, well, you did well keeping the, keeping the law. Good on you. He said, but go sell all you have. Use all the money that you have and, and go give it to the poor. That he wasn't prepared to do. Outward appearance of religiosity with no heart change inwardly. What must I do? That's the problem. It's not what we can do. 
to get right with God. It's what Jesus did on the cross. Amen? The whole purpose of the law is to show us, again, how far short, how far we fall from God's perfect standard. It shows us that we're lost, that we're lost sinners who need a saviour to rescue us from our sinful condition in order to be forgiven, in order to get right with God. That's what righteousness means, getting right with God. That's why for the Christian, Christmas is so personal. It's a personal commitment by the grace of God that revealed to us who Jesus is and what he did on our behalf. Amen? That's why Jesus came the first Christmas, to make all that possible. Listen to Galatians chapter 4, 4. But when the proper time had fully come, this was decided before the world was even created by God. What happened at the proper time? God sent his son, born of a woman, and born subject to the regulations of the law. Galatians 4.4. 4. You know, as well as I do, probably by now, what does the name Jesus mean? What does the name Jesus mean? Anyone? Savior. Savior. There's only one Savior. He came to set us free from the curse of the law. Galatians again, chapter 3, verse 13. Christ. That means Messiah. Christ has redeemed us. That means he's paid the price. He's bought us back from the clutches of Satan. We were slaves. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. See, the curse reveals that we're sinners and we are condemned. You understand? Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. And I don't need to tell you that the cross was made out of wood. And where does wood come from? From trees. Agreed. The trees, creation, and everything in it, God made. God made the trees. And he was crucified on one of the trees that he had made. And Jesus has removed the curse that was on us by birth, the condemnation, the wrath, by taking upon himself our curse on the cross. Listen. The curse of sin and death can only be removed from you if you believe 
by faith what Jesus did for you personally on that cross. Period. Full stop. Question is, do you believe it? Do you? That's why for the Christian, Christmas is so personal. If, we hadn't, if he hadn't come, we'd all be lost. We'd all be cursed. We'd all be condemned. And we'd have to pay the penalty for our sins. But we don't have to now. He became a curse for us. That's why Jesus was born on Christmas Day. We know he, he wasn't necessarily born on the 25th of December, all right? But it's a good enough day. We celebrate and we remember, all right? Fair enough. He's the only one that could save us from our sins. Not only could save us from our sins, which he did, that's why it's personal for the Christian. He's also adopted us, you know, and he's not going to give us up. You know, you get some people, I'm sure this couple already know, I don't know, I haven't asked them. Sometimes they adopt children, people adopt children, and sometimes they give them up again. Do they? Probably. It happens. But we've been adopted into Christ, God's family. He's not going to give us up. We're in there. We're part of his family now. We can call him Father, Daddy, Abba. That's what, that's what Abba means. It's personal. You know, my daughter called me this morning and wished me well and, you know, have a nice, heard you preaching, blah, 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 blah. And she didn't say, hello, Father. <laughs> How art thou, Father? <laughs> no, she says, Dad. My sons are saying, Dad, Daddy. Personal, you see. That's how God sees us. My son, my child, I love you. You belong to me now. I've adopted you. I'll never let you go. I'll never let you go. I'll never forsake you. This is what Galatians 4, 5 says. Having been adopted into his family. To purchase, you see, he paid the price, amen, on the cross. What a price he paid to bring us to God, hey? To purchase the freedom. We were slaves to sin. To purchase the freedom, and I've, I'm reading out of the Amplified Bible. I highly recommend it. To purchase the freedom of, to ransom, to redeem. To atone, that means to pay the price. For those who were subject to the law, we're under the curse of the law as sinners, that we might be adopted and have sonship conferred upon us and be recognized as God's children. He recognizes us every day. There's not a day goes by he's not with us in everything that we do. 
And when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, so that we might and that we have received adoption. Adoption. I don't need to tell you that God hates sin. There's some things that God cannot do. What do you mean? Well, he can't lie, can he? Can't sin, can he? And there's some things that God hates. And that is sin. Because he is holy. Holy, holy, and we have no real conception until we meet him face to face. How holy he is. And God, he hates sin so much he was willing to die excruciating pain and bleed and suffer. That's how much God hates sin. If you're any in doubt that God hates sin, look in your mind's eyes at Jesus bleeding on that cross. That's how much he hates sin. He became a curse for us. Your sin was nailed to that cross. No sin or sinner can ever enter into God's holy, pure heaven. Unless, here's the good news, that's the bad news, here's the good news. Unless you are declared right with God. You are declared righteousness, righteous by God. And that's what he's done. That's what he did. God made that possible through the birth of his son and the death of his son, the son of righteousness. Once we receive the son of righteousness, God does not see sin in us anymore. He sees his son the son of righteousness. Been adopted, you say. You're my son. You're my daughter. So receiving him as your personal saviour, because it's a personal decision that we all have to make. A lot of people just don't want, they just want to do their own thing. They don't want God to control their lives. All right. That's a choice. Wrong choice. Suffer the consequences. In order to have our sins forgiven, to have them completely blotted out and accepted into his family, we need to receive personally Jesus Christ. See, I'm almost finished. I've cut it down. It's getting too long. (laughs) for some yes for others no I could stay up here for quite some time but my glasses are fogging up (laughs) 1st John 3 1 says see I could partially say see what great love the father 
has lavished upon us. I love that word. It's, all, it's almost as good as encapsulate. Lavished. You ever had one lavish on you? That we should be called children of God. Children of God. So today, we've seen, I hope, why for the Christian, Christmas is so personal. It's so personal. It's a special time that reminds us that God sent his son to be born as an innocent baby to die as an innocent man on a cross. For us, for you, personally, he did it for you. If you were the only person left on the face of the earth, he still would have gone to that cross. It's personal. We, we were saved by God's grace, and by God's grace we have become children of God, having been born again into his family. Galatians 4, 6, because you are his sons and daughters, generic term, God sent the Spirit, capital S, of his Son into our hearts, the Spirit who calls out Abba, Father, Daddy, Daddy. God's salvation of your soul and his adoption of each one of us, Christian, will last for all eternity. All because of the God child who was born on Christmas Day. Let me close with this verse, familiar. You shall call his name Jesus. What does the name Jesus mean? Because he will save his people from their sins. Thank God that he did, amen? amen. Thank God that he did. Thank you, Jesus. I hope you all have a very Merry Christmas. Amen? Thank you, dear God, for reminding us again what Christmas is truly all about, especially for the Christian. There was a time, the appointed time, when by your grace you revealed your son to us. Oh, yes, we may have heard about Jesus and what he did on the cross. and He went around doing good, but we never realized truly that he did it for us as individuals personally because of our sins thank you for revealing yourself dear jesus being born of the virgin mary coming into this sin-sick world leaving the glories of heaven behind and yet grew up as you were born, without sin, completely fulfilling the whole law because you were sinless and suffering as an innocent lamb of God on the cross. You may, some of you listening, I know that you are. You're not saved. 
we've just heard a number of times what the word, the name Jesus means. Savior. Have you been saved? All you need to do is believe what Jesus did for you on that cross. That he bled and died in your place so you wouldn't have to suffer the wrath, the punishment, the condemnation of your sins. He did it for you because he loves you. Be grateful. Call upon his name to save you. Believe that he died, he was buried, and yet he rose again from the dead. The only person who ever did, who was alive and ascended back into heaven, is now seated at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for his adopted children. You want to be adopted into God's family? Then call upon the name of Jesus, Savior. Help me, help my unbelief, and save my soul. If you pray that prayer and you really mean it, from the heart, then your life will be changed and you'll be part of his family. It's a personal decision that only you can make. Amen. Thank you again for tuning in. You can find our podcasts on Apple Podcasts and anywhere else you find podcasts. We'd love for you to join us at the First Baptist Church in Coleraine for Sunday morning worship at 11 a.m. We are located at 81 Foundry Village Road, Coleraine, Massachusetts. If you have any questions or inquiries, please feel free to call the church at 413-624-8886. Hope to see you soon. God bless.